Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Well, good evening. That sounds like there are about 30 friendly people here tonight. So let me try that one more time. Good evening. How are you doing? God is good all the time. So good to be here on a Sunday evening. Pastor, I just need to tell you this tremendous attendance tonight. There are hundreds, if not thousands of churches across America that would have loved to see this kind of attendance on Easter Sunday. This, this is great. Thank you so much. And I do believe that what you are doing is you are honoring the move of God. And you are glorifying the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It is such a delight to be back with you again tonight. And tomorrow evening we're going to be back again at 6.30. And I, I can tell you right now, the anointing is increasing. I, uh, I, I don't think I've ever experienced that in my whole life. But after the second service this morning, I had to hold on to the shoulder of one of the ushers because my legs felt like spaghetti. I couldn't stand. I'm just here to tell you tonight I don't know all and everything that God has in mind. But God has something unusual in mind for this church, for this season, for right now. Let's give him a shout of praise. This evening, I want to continue to talk to you about the presence of God. And you will notice that there is a thread running through these messages. Therefore, you will hear some things repeated, some things said again. And it is done so on purpose so that the truth and the reality of the moment will remain. I was first of all thinking tonight of calling this message, Bring Back the Glory. But I have entitled it, We Need the Glory. And I want you to turn with me in the Old Testament to 2 Kings chapter 4. This evening, I'm going to use the New Living Translation as the scripture reference. 2 Kings chapter 4. If you would like to keep your Bible open, feel free. If it's on your phone, your iPad, on your lap, whatever. As we can look at it and break it down as we proceed. 
We want to state again this evening that the church today is in desperate need once again to experience the tangible, felt presence of God. People everywhere across our nation are describing their dissatisfaction for dead, ritualistic, lifeless services. They have become tired of receiving information that never brings transformation. That's why we now have a large number of people called the Duns, D-O-N-E-S, a recognized group of believers across the nation called the Duns. Why are they called the Duns? Because they say we are done with the church. It's not that they had given up on Christ or his mission. They are just done with what the church has become. It's a tragic moment in our nation. It's a tragic moment in our church that people are leaving the church because there is no presence of God in the house of God. I believe that's why the Holy Spirit is quickening this message for the church to once again experience the Shekinah glory of God. To once again get lost in praise and especially worship. But thank God that there is presently, I sense it, a new stirring in the air. I'm amazed wherever I go. I'm seeing it happen. I'm seeing it break out. I don't know that I've ever really been there. And in my prayer and supplication, I just said, Lord, thank you that you have chosen me to use this as the moment of releasing your presence and power in the church. I don't know if I'm running my last lap and that's why I'm running so fast and so hard and so desperate with so much passion and compassion but whatever it may be I want to say church it is time for us to come alive and be the church in our message this evening I want to apply first or rather second Kings chapter four, and we're going to begin in verse number eight as a type of what we need to apply in our approach to God's glory in these days. What will it take? In these verses that we are going to consider this evening, you will be introduced to three main characters. It's Elisha. You will be introduced to a mother. 
And then you will be introduced to her son. Elisha, the mother and the son. And I'm going to apply these three characters to biblical typology in this way. Elisha as a type of the glory of the presence of God. No, no, no. Let, let me just make this clear. I'm not saying Elisha is or was the glory or the presence of God. I'm going to use him as a type of the presence and glory of God. And when we talk about glory, we have to understand that the glory, the kabod, people sometimes say the kabod, but it's actually kabod, doesn't really matter. But the kabod, the glory, is a description of heaviness. It doesn't mean depression or discouragement in terms of heaviness. It means that there is a heaviness almost in the example of water and oil. Oil has more substance and you can sense that. But when the word kavod is used to describe weightiness, it has the same meaning that when we say that person carries a lot of weight around here. Now when we say that, we're not talking about how much they weigh. We're talking about how much authority they have. We're talking about the position that they are holding. Now, we also have to realize that when we are talking about glory, that the glory in the Old Testament is the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. God's glory was revealed in one way in the Old Testament, and then in the New Testament, we experience the presence of God through the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to see Elisha as a type of the glory. We're going to see the mother as a type of the church. The local expression of the body of Christ. So we're going to talk about the mother like we would talk about Calvary Assembly. Then thirdly, we're going to talk about the son and see him as a type of the church member. Now, I want you to continually bear these three comparisons in your mind as we proceed. And every now and again, I will bring you back to that. Verse number eight. One day, Elisha went to the town of Shunem. A wealthy woman lived there. And she urged him to come to her home. Let's pause there just for a moment. We're talking about the church. We're talking about the glory. The mother, the church, Elisha, the glory. Let's look at it again. She urged the glory to come in. She said to her husband, 
I'm sure this is a holy man of God. The King James Version says, I perceive that this is a holy man of God. She could discern that there is something in this presence that is not present in other people. You see, people receive you to be what they perceive you to be. Can I say that again? People receive you to be what they perceive you to be. You don't have to tell them that you're a Christian. They ought to perceive that you are a Christian. So in verse number 10, she says to her husband, Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. Then he will have a place to stay. Track with me. She's saying to her husband, the church is saying, let's make room for the glory. If we don't make room for the glory, he will simply come and go. That's why I want to say we thank God for his visitation. But now we need more than visitation. We need habitation. Visitation means that he comes and he leaves. But habitation means he comes and he stays. Let's make room for him. We want to make room for him. We're going to have to clear the calendar. If we want to make room for him, we've got to give him some time. If we want to, we, we want to make room for him, we're going to have to change our schedules and change our priorities because it's not about you and it's not about me. It's all about him. Lord, help us to make room for your glory. Make room for your presence and your power. I better not preach so soon. I'm still in the Bible. And along these lines, let me just make this abundantly clear, church. It is absolutely futile to think we can build a church without the power of the Holy Spirit. Take him out and we have no life left. We must have the glory. We must have the Holy Spirit. We must have the presence of God. We cannot just keep on jumping through the hoops and, and having church as usual. What we have to do is to make room for him. And say, God, come in. Holy Spirit, come in. And if I have to step aside, I will gladly step aside. If I've got to be quiet, I will purposely be quiet. If, if you, whatever you want me to do, I will do because I want to make room for him. 
Boy, I so appreciated this team tonight, the songs that they sang. It's like I gave them my notes and they sang what I'm going to preach on tonight. That's what I like about this. That's how the Holy Spirit works when we begin to make room for him. Verse 11 says, one day, Elisha returned to Shunem and went up to the upper room to rest. He had a place to go. He was welcome. He didn't have to wait for an invitation. They had made room for him. He can show up unexpectedly. He could show up whenever he wanted to. There was no schedule. There was no invitation. He didn't have to give them a call. He didn't have to send them a text. He could just show up. And I want to tell you church, those are the moments when miracles happen. When the Holy Spirit comes in because we have made room for him. And we have said, Holy Spirit, come whenever you want to. Stay. We have made habitation for you. Come whenever you want to. Do whatever you want to. Because we have made room for you. He said to his servant Gehazi in verse number 12. Tell the woman of Shunem. I want to speak to her. When she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, tell her, we appreciate the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you to the king or to the commander of the army? No, she replied. Remember way in the beginning in verse number 8? It said that she was a wealthy woman. She was a woman of worth and wealth. So when Elisha wanted to speak to the king or the commander of the army about her, she said, no, thank you. My family takes good care of me. The King James Version implies... I am known by the king. I'm known by the commander. I don't need you to speak for me. I'm a woman of worth and wealth. So Elisha said, but what can we do for her? I love that. When the Holy Spirit shows up, when the glory of God shows up, He comes to meet us at the point of our need. Some of us may be sick, 
Some of us may be desperate. Some of us may be in financial challenges. Some of us don't know what the future holds. Some of us have unsaved children. Whatever the case may be, when the Holy Spirit shows up, He knows exactly what He can and will do for you. Wherever you are, can you begin to understand why we need the presence of God? Why we need the glory of God? Why we need the Holy Spirit? Because if the presence of God is not in the house, our needs are not met, and we once again just have church as usual. But when we have opened the door and made room for the glory, He shows up and He meets us at the point of our need. Can somebody give God praise here tonight? Gehazi replied, she doesn't have a son. And the moment Gehazi said she doesn't have a son, Elisha knew that's it. It's so amazing that in spite of her wealth, her status, and her influence, she had no child and her hopes were gone. Her wealth could not produce a child. Her influence could not produce a child. The church today seems to have all that it needs. We have worked hard for acceptance. We have gained influence. We have beautiful worship centers, amazing sound system, incredible programs. But we are not seeing children born into the kingdom of God. What's the good of having all of that? Thank God for beautiful facilities like this. Thank God for great sound systems and strobing lights. I I love that. It's great to have comfortable soft chairs, a clean church. But what good is that? We don't see children born into the kingdom of God. And that is what happens when there is an absence of the glorious presence of God. Remember when they, when Peter and John were on the way to the temple to pray, they came and, and saw again for I don't know the, how many time. The, the man, the lame man sitting, begging, asking for alms. And they looked at him and they said to him, silver and gold have we none. I don't think that the church can really say that. No, 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 I don't mean we have abundance of money. I mean, we're, we, we're all in a tight spin on different levels. I understand that. But but we cannot really say silver and gold have I none. But neither can we say in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. 
we need the power. The verse 15 says, call her back again. Elisha told him. When the woman returned, Elisha said to her, as she stood in the doorway, next year, at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. If you don't mind, let me interrupt myself for a moment. God uses my wife in a very unique gift. If she lays hand, hands on a barren womb within a year, that couple holds a baby in their arms. She has so-called grandchildren all across this nation. Even in other countries of the world. Couples line up many times for her to pray. And we cannot believe all the miracles, all the pictures and stuff that have come in. There's a certain gift about that. I can't explain it. But Elisha says, next year you will be holding a son in your arms. There is nothing that can ever replace the glory. Today we understand it more clearly, as I said, as the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And fondly refer to it as the manifest presence of God. Through the anointing, we lay hands on people and divine impartation takes place. Listen to me. I want to repeat that again. When the, when the anointing comes, we lay hands on people and divine impartation takes place. But when the glory comes, The manifestation of the Holy Spirit. It saturates the entire audience. And you don't even have to lay hands on anyone. And people are healed, delivered, set free, saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. Because of the presence and the power of the Lord God Almighty in the house. I want to say to you, there is something about a corporate anointing. I need to say that again. There is something about a corporate anointing. God can anoint me as an individual wherever I am. And he often does. I can be in my home, I can be in my car, I can be in my office, and the anointing of the Lord can come upon me. I can be in my hotel room all on my own, and the anointing comes upon me. But there is nothing like it is when I am with the church, the body of Christ, and there's a corporate anointing that destroys every yoke of bondage and sets the captives free and does a work on the inside that nobody else can do. It all happens when the glory comes. No, my Lord, she cried. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. Verse number 17, but sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant. And at that time, the following year, 
if she had a son, just as Elisha had said. When God speaks, it settles it. I saw a bumper sticker one day that said something like, if God says it, I believe it, that settles it. I want to say to you, if God says it, I believe it. But I want to say more than that. If God said it, that settles it. Whether I believe it or not, it settles it. When God said it, it's done. So what I just want to say to you before we move on is this. That when the glory is in the house, it cultivates an atmosphere of life. There's not a smell of death. There's a presence of life. I can tell you, ladies and gentlemen, sometimes uh, I'm in churches where, where, where they begin the service and, and I, I'm kind of looking around. Pastor Joey, I'm, I'm wondering when they're going to roll the casket down the aisle. Must be a funeral. I look around at the people's faces and it looks like they've been baptized in pickle juice. But we call that church. That's the kind of church in the absence of the glory. But when the glory of God is in the house, the presence of God, the, the Holy Spirit is alive in the house. There is life. There is excitement. There's a shout. There's a joy. There is praise. There is prayer. There is worship. We saw it again tonight. We saw it overwhelmingly this morning. When there is a presence of God, there is life abundantly. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a shout of praise. But now watch this. Verse 18 says, one day when her child was older, he went out to help his father who was working with the harvesters. Uh, now let me, let me just say this. As I looked at this, uh, and it says very, very clear when he was older, he, he was not a toddler anymore. And I can very well imagine how this lad would stand at the window and look through the window and look at the harvest fields and look at the world outside and say, I really would like to be out there. I, I'd like to be out on the, on the fields. I, I, I'd like to be out there on the world. And his mother would say to him, son, let me tell you. I don't want you to go there. Your birth was a miracle. You shouldn't have been here. You shouldn't have been alive. The very fact that you're alive is a miracle. So I don't want you to go out on the fields. I don't want you to go into the world. I don't want you to go there. You are precious. You 
I have received from God. But one day, when he was older, he went out. And lo and behold, when he got there, he suddenly grabbed his head and cried out, My head hurts. My head hurts. And when I studied that in the word, I believe the Holy Spirit showed me when people leave the house where the church is and they go into the world. Our young people mix with the things of the world and the first thing they say is my head. I am confused by the things of the world. My head is messing with me. My head is messing with me. I don't know what to believe and what not to believe I don't know what is truth I don't know what's going on my head my head my head now I'm not suggesting that all young people are confused I'm just drawing an analogy when I say to you that's what's happening when our young people leave the presence of the house of God and they get into the world they no longer know know the difference between right and wrong. They don't know what's good or bad. Their head hurts as they are, as they are trying to struggle through the problems and the tension that's upon them. But when we continue to read, his father says to the servants, Carry him back to his mother. No, 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 no. Don't miss our analogy. Take this church member off of the field of the world and take him back to the church. That's where he needs to be. Take him back to the church. That's where he found life. That's where he found protection. That's why he found strength. That's where he found nutrition. I cannot do anything for him in the world. Take him back to the church. That's why I believe there's going to be an influx of people into the church that has dropped out years and long times ago. And they're sitting at home and they don't go to church anywhere. But I am telling you right now, they're going to come back. The Holy Spirit is going to draw them and something is going to tell them, you'd better get back to church. You'd better get back to church. You had better get back to the presence of God. Here you're going to die. Here you're going to go under. But you've got to go back to the church. You've got to go back to the church. Because that's the answer. That's your breakthrough. That's your life. Get back into the presence of God.
on. Somebody shout and give God praise. So they took him back to church. Verse 20 says, around noontime, he died. What? He died right there on his mother's lap. The church member dies in the church's lap. He died right there in the church. Why did he die? Because the glory was no longer in the house. Our people are dying on our pews in the church. They die in our small groups, our praise teams, our missions programs, because we have lost the power, because the glory has left the house. And when the glory leaves the house, there is no resurrection power. There is no life. There is no deliverance. There is no power. Right on his mother's lap he died. People are dying on our church benches, pews and chairs. Because we have no longer entertained the glorious presence of God. We have become accustomed to having church not realizing that we are the church verse 21 said she carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God this is an absolute act of faith Because she believed the presence of God would return or the presence would return. And when it does, her child will already be in the right place. It goes on to say, then she shut the door and left him there. She shut the door. She decided... Nobody needs to know what I am facing because nobody can do a miracle for me. I don't need anybody to come in. All I need is for the glory to return. Verse 22 says, she sent a message to her husband. Send one of the servants and a donkey so that I can hurry to the man of God and come right back. Here is a church on a mission. We have death in the house. We have a crisis. We have a problem. 
But I believe if we go in sincerity and ask him to come back, I'm going to come right back and I know the miracle is going to happen. Verse 23 says, he said, or what? Why go today? He asked. It's neither a new moon festival nor a Sabbath. She said, don't worry. It'll be all right. You, you won't understand this. It's so amazing that people don't, that don't understand or have never experienced the presence of God, the real, tangible, felt, manifest presence of God. People that have never experienced the glory, people that have never experienced the power of the Holy Spirit cannot understand why you and I are going so hard after him. They cannot understand it. They don't know why we go to church every Sunday. Why do you go back to church Sunday night? You've already been to church. What? And then you're going back on Monday night? And then on Tuesday night? And then and, and Wednesday night? You must be dumb. You must be foolish. It's not Sunday. There's no special Sabbath going on. It's not Christmas. It's not Easter. Why do you want to go? Well, don't you worry because you don't understand. Even if I had to tell you, you will not understand. But I am going because I know when I get there, something is going to happen. I'm going to be changed. I'm going to be touched. I'm going to be lifted up. My burdens are going to roll away. My chains are going to be broken. I know. I know. When I go, it's going to happen. Hallelujah. So she saddled the donkey and said to the servant, hurry, 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 hurry. Don't slow down. Unless I tell you to. She was determined. Absolutely determined. And I just want to say to you ladies and gentlemen, listen to me church. We don't need to vote on this. We don't need to make a new resolution. We don't have to establish a new doctrine. We don't need new constitutions or bylaws. We need the glory to come back. Period. That's it. The glory must come back. We're going to try and hurry. Verse 25. As she approached the man of God in Mount Carmel, Elisha saw in the distance, he said to Gehazi, Look, the woman of Shunem is coming. Run now to meet her and ask her, Is everything all right with you? Your husband, your child, are they all fine? The woman told Gehazi, Everything is fine. Because I know that I know that I know. You can't help me. So why am I going to tell you? I'm going to tell the one that needs to hear. I'm going to talk to the one that can make a difference. (laughs) 
But when she came to the man of God at the mountain, she fell to the ground before him and caught hold of his feet. Gehazi began to push her away. You see, people who don't truly understand what the presence of God means will always try to hinder you. They will always try and tell you things like that's a bunch of emotion. They will tell you you are crazy. Push you away. Come on. Two hours in church, you have lost your mind. Push them away. Oh, you can take off a little, just be at home and watch by live stream or television. Push them away. Because can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen? I am so happy about live stream. We, we, it's good and bad. Woo, the sweat is running into my eyes. Pardon me just for a moment. I said that it's good and it's bad. It's very good that we are reaching people that we would never have been able to reach any other way. We are reaching shut-ins. That we will not be able to reach in any. There is so much good. But what's bad is the lazy Christians. Sunday morning when they get up. They say why must I get up and wash up and dress, dress up. And go up to church. I can sit in my bed and enjoy my bacon and eggs in bed. And just watch it by live stream. Or I can just watch it on television. Why must I go through all this trouble. And get there. Let me say something to you ladies and gentlemen. You can watch all the live stream you want. To, and thank you for watching. I'm not discrediting you. I want you to be there. But I want you to hear me. There's one thing that you cannot always fully experience by watching live stream and television and that is the tangible felt presence of God so those of you that cannot come to church please continue to watch live stream don't give up on the God bless you I think even my wife is watching right now. Bless you, honey. I'm not preaching against you. I love you, my dear. But I'm going to say to you that are too lazy. I can just hear somebody saying, turn off that. Turn off that thing. I don't like that. Oh, that that's fine. I'm still going to say it. To you lazy guys, get up on a Sunday morning. Wash up, dress up, and come up. Because it's here where you're going to find the presence and the power and the glory of God. Money cannot buy that. The presence of God. That's what we need. But then the man of God said, leave her alone. The Holy Spirit always understands. And 28 says, then she said, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? And didn't I say, don't deceive me and get my hopes up? Then Elisha said to Gehazi, get ready to travel. Get yourself an airplane ticket. No, no, they didn't have airplanes. 
Get ready to travel. Gird up thy loins. Take my staff and go. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly and lay my staff on the child's face. And Gehazi took off. Verse 30, but the boy's mother said, the church member had died and the church is saying, as surely as the Lord lives and yourself live, I won't go home unless you go with me. We want nothing short of the glory. We want nothing short of the presence. We want nothing short of the Holy Spirit. So Elisha returned with her. Verse 31 says, And Gehazi hurried ahead and laid the staff on the child's face. But nothing happened. There was no sign of life. He returned to meet Elisha and told him, The child is still dead. Elisha is dead. D-E-D, dead. I know you don't spell it like that, but he was dead. It's no wonder because substitutes will not work. There is no substitute for the presence of God. There is no substitute for the power of God. There is no substitute for the glory of God. We don't want the staff to be laid on our head. We want the oil to be poured over our heads. We want the presence of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. The glory and the power of God. Somebody throw your hands up in the air. And give God a shout of praise. When Elisha arrived, the child was indeed dead, lying there on the prophet's bed. He went in alone, and what did he do? Shut the door and prayed to the Lord. Then he lay down on the child's body. What did he do? He put his weight onto the boy's body. <laughs> he put his weight. That's what we need. The weight of his glory. We cannot do without the weight of his glory. It's when his glory comes that life returns. 
hear the chains falling. I say I can I can hear the chains falling. Listening to today's podcast, you can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.